0: Step right up and gather around. tall folks kindly at the back, please. I am Professor Splatter, and I'm the curator of this here spookatorium. Through these doors are wonders and horrors, and maybe even a laugh or two. From the dark corners on every street today, all back through recorded time. you'll hear music and tales of the unknown, mysterious, and perhaps even diabolical. That's right, folks. There are strange things beyond this threshold but if you weren't curious you wouldn't be here so will you take a chance and come on in or will you saddle up to the concession stand and always wonder what you may have missed ladies and gentlemen welcome to professor gruntsplatter's spookatorium there will be no refunds once you enter thank you for your attention and the brave ones Once again, it's Professor Gruntsplatter's Spookatorium. This is episode 25, I am Professor Gruntsplatter. Uh, the first track that you heard today was Avergus with Dark Angel's Ascension. After that was Joy Division with Passover, and the last track in the set was TSOL with Red Shadows. Uh, there's not a whole lot uh, to update from the website since the last show. Um, I've collected a lot of stories, but I haven't gotten too many of them up there, so hopefully I'll be able to make some time to do that soon. Uh, but there is a, uh, a roadside attraction sort of story if you happen to be in Russia. Um, it's about a town that has erected a 800-pound statue of an enema bulb um, resting atop the backs of, of cherubic young angels. Uh, as a promotion for the, the spa industry in that area, apparently the enema is quite popular and they wanted to immortalize it. gather round and hear treatments and tales of the medicine wagon and the sprucatoriums rolling with apothecary. It does a body good. Morgellons disease got its name from a condition that was first seen in France in the 1600s in which coarse black hairs were reported to have grown on the backs of children. The current condition was not necessarily related to that, but the name was chosen in 2001 as a temporary description of this odd condition, um, and the name has since stuck. Uh, the Morgellon's symptoms include the feeling of insects crawling under the skin, uh, extreme fatigue memory loss, lesions, granular or crystalline type residue that appears on the skin or within the lesions, and most dramatically, the growth of smooth fibers. That can be a multitude of colors, red, blue, etc. That grow out from the skin and in some cases have been reported to move on their own. Uh, The disease has not been officially recognized and many doctors in fact treat the condition as a psychological one rather than a physiological one and prescribe antipsychotics believing the condition is delusional rather than a genuine physical malady. After five-plus years of urging from people who are suffering with the disease, the Center for Disease Control is now looking into it. And in January of this year, they also brought in the U.S. Armed Forces Institute of Pathology and the American Academy of Dermatology to help with the research. Researchers independent of these new CDC studies Have had some of the fibers extracted from patients and reviewed by a crime lab in Tulsa Oklahoma who then in turn ran it through the FBI fiber database they were not able to find a match within the fiber database for what it was that was growing out of these people's skin Um, it was determined that the fiber was not man-made or from a known plant based on based on its its structure but it did have consistencies with something organic that a body or a parasite within the body might be capable of producing. Uh, they don't know what causes the disease, but one thread that has run through a vast majority of the cases is that the patients also test positive for the same agent that's present in cases of Lyme disease. And some of those cases, the same treatments used for Lyme disease, have caused the Magellan symptoms to go into remission, but there is not a known cure at this time for Mergellans. Um, As I said, the origins of the disease are yet unknown. And the theories range from an unknown bacterial infection to reactions to pesticides or other environmental factors, Um, but there's also a conspiratorial angle to the origins, with some believing it's the result of military aviation chemtrails raining down on the population. The chemtrails are the vaporous trails that you see that just sort of hover in the sky after a, a jet or something has gone by. The justification for this is that the alleged residue retrieved from chemtrails that have drifted down um, has displayed both the fibrous and granular traits that are associated with, with what comes out of the lesions in Morgellons. Um, the chemtrail theory seems to be getting pushed largely by Rents.com, which is a conspiracy theory web- website. Um, I didn't find a whole lot else on it aside from, from what they were putting forth. And their, their evidence seems mostly based on photographs of uh, this residue from the chemtrails versus you know side-by-side comparisons with photographs of, of people's lesions. I'd give you some more information about it, but their website is organized in the usual shotgun design motif that far too many of the French sites use. Um, so perhaps another time I will weed through all of that. Uh, woven into the chemtrail theory is that there's also nanotechnology that figures into these fibers and grains and Renzo actually goes so far as to call the gross morgellons machines suggesting that the the fibers and the reason that some of these fibers are able to move on their own are that they're in fact nanotechnology that's being rained down on the population Um, others believe it's uh, the result of experiments conducted during alien abduction scenarios fallout from some sort of bioterror experiment And there was one theory that has since been rebuffed that it was the French and their uh, bottled water that was causing uh, the Morgellons outbreaks. The current number of cases is estimated at somewhere just beyond ten thousand people worldwide. You know this has been in the news off and on sort of minimally for for a while now that I've been aware of it and uh, so I kind of keep an eye out on it and if I see anything that uh, Seems interesting. I will I will come back to it. Beyond Dawn with Fairy Liquid Uh, previous to that was Scrap Edex with Spasm Engage and opening the setup was Black Messiah with Diabolic Rights I want to thank everybody again for tuning into the show I know it's been a while since I've had one up Um, hopefully I'll be able to get back on track and do these every couple of weeks like I used to Uh, I have plenty of material I just haven't had the time to write it up and and record it Uh, if you've got any suggestions or anything you want to hear about Please feel free to drop a line to professor at spookatorium.org. I'm hopefully going to be getting more stories up on the site more frequently as well to try and clear out some of this backlog. And you can check out the website at www.spookatorium.org. Now is a good time as any. Uh, If you hear your song on the show and you don't want me to be playing your music, uh, let me know and I'll remove it from the show. Um, And I guess that's it. Watch your head as you enter the spookatorium attic, where ghosts and goblins play, and the paranormal presses its face against the window of
1: our world.
0: Anthony North runs a site called Beyond the Blog, and back in June he ran an interesting piece regarding uh, explanations of alleged hauntings. Uh, North considers his, his mode of thinking to be something he calls patternology or peology, and that is uh, looking for patterns and things that people with a more specialized focus might miss because they're taking too narrow of a, a view of a subject. He's applied this process to trying to understand and contribute to a repeatable process that could be used for analyzing hauntings. Interestingly, I tried to find out a bit more about the theory of patternology, and it appears to be something he's dubbed on his own. The other references to the word, um, and in fact, the patternology International website seemed to be uh, self-help focused in regards to behavior modification and that kind of thing. It didn't really look like it had anything to do with what, what Mr. North is doing. Uh, he explains his concept in, in further detail on his site, and it's one that I can really get behind Uh, the general premise being that since the dawn of time humans have looked to patterns for explanations early on it's what led to religions and it's clearly evident in the old nature-based religions and it's more hidden but still intact in in the established modern religions but when science and philosophy entered into the consciousness things began to get compartmentalized and specific fields of study developed and in that compartmentalization views became narrower and more segregated causing the big picture and the patterns of life to become frequently more overlooked. Charles Fort, considered by many to be the father of of the paranormal and the the namesake for Fortean thinking, held very similar views. Um, Seeking the truth in only one discipline is essentially to run away from the truth, uh, because it is only in the totality of influences that any genuine answers can start to reveal themselves. The idea is not to define a truth or to dictate anything, but to view the tides of the big picture and stimulate debate and curiosity." anyway this is one of those instances where the story behind the story may be more interesting but back to my original point uh... north looks at the patterns most visible in hauntings and comes up with a few things for consideration his aim was to create an identifiable system that you that could then show the repeatable phenomenon he determines that hauntings are expressed through some form of culture whether that culture is of historical significance or family connections or sociological etc and, and he theorizes that some of these experiences may be the result of cryptonesia, which is the recollection of forgotten information. When you're immersed in a setting, you absorb all kinds of information without necessarily setting out to learn it or remember it. And the surfacing of some of that information may contribute to perceptions of hauntings. Uh, From there he looks at the idea of ghosts being hallucinations, Uh, hallucinations in the sense that the mind tries to make sense of the information that it has. And in times of fatigue or otherwise reduced awareness, be it sensory deprivation or other influences, the brain may assemble that information in unique ways that it otherwise wouldn't if it was functioning more fully. And you frequently see paranormal investigators investigating in the dark because they believe it heightens their awareness. However, you're removing sight from the sensory equation, which is how most information is filtered and assembled. It it very well could be a detriment to their awareness rather than heightening their awareness. Um, It puts the brain in a position where it has to fill in the blanks. And so sounds become more vivid and take on different intonations when we can't see what their source is. Lights and reflections become abrupt and jarring in the darkness. And then there's an adjustment period for the eyes, during which the brain will struggle to find something recognizable, whether it's there or not. On the idea of possession, North disputes the clarity of interior and exterior forces, believing the division between internal turmoil and external possession is far from clear. Using Jung's archetypes and research into split-brain thinking, he believes it cannot always be determined whether the emotional and the rational reactions of a person in duress can be seen as being of separate origins. It's possible for the brain to react emotionally and rationally without the person being fully aware of either group hauntings he attributes to what he calls a psychodrama and these previously mentioned influences the combination of faint recollections uh, weariness the emotion within a group setting feeds itself in it till it becomes something all its own and initiates a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy the power of suggestion in groups is also exaggerated and something banal can evolve into something dramatic rather quickly steeped over time as in a location haunting the possibilities are nearly endless So, while this is not intended to explain away hauntings, it does try and provide a framework to look for patterns and sort of the repeated elements that that show up in these kind of situations. There are clearly instances that fall outside of this, um, but I thought it was an interesting summary and breakdown that was worth being aware of.
2: Nest up in the autumn branches, built from nothing but high hopes and thin air. He collected up some baby blasted mothers. They took their chances and for a while they lived quite happily up there. He came from New York City, man, but he couldn't take the pace. And thought it was like a doggy dog world. Then he went to San Francisco, spent a year in outer space with a sweet little San Franciscan girl. I can hear my mother wailing and a whole lot of scraping and chairs. I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something going on upstairs. He had to get out of there and San Francisco, well I don't know And then to L.A. Where he spent about a day He thought even the pale sky stars Were smart enough to keep well away from L.A. Meanwhile, Larry made up names for the ladies Like Miss Boo and Miss Quick He stockpiled weapons and took pot shots in the air He feasted on their lovely bodies like a lunatic And wrapped himself up in their soft yellow hair I can hear chants and incantations And some guy is mentioning me in his prayers well, I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something going on upstairs. Lies, just yourself,
3: I just yourself, just
2: Well, a New York City man, San Francisco, L.A. I don't know. But Larry grew increasingly neurotic and obscene I mean, he, he never asked to be raised up from a tomb I mean, no one ever actually asked him to forsake his dreams Anyway, to cut a long story short, fame finally found him Mirrors became his torturers Cameras snapped him at every chance The women all went back to their homes and their husbands With secret smiles in the corners of their mouths he ended up, like so many of them do, back in the streets of New York City In a soup queue, a dope fiend, a slave Then prison, then the madhouse, then the grave A oh, poor Larry But what do we really know of the dead, and who actually cares? Well, I is something going on upstairs?
0: That set started off with a track from the new, newest Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds record. That uh, was the title track, Dig, Lazarus, Dig. Following that was Isrigan with Thuringen. Uh, following that was God with Pretty. And the last track you heard there was Inade with two Those. Mind your fingers and toes we step to the carousel of cryptids and creeping things that lurk in the shadows of history and along the back roads that stitch your neighborhoods together. I recorded this story once already, and I was getting ready to post the new episode of the show tonight after work, um, August 12th, Uh, and during the day today, There were several new developments in this story that I wanted to address because uh, it has the potential to be quite remarkable. A Bigfoot research group out of Georgia that calls themselves Bigfoot Tracker has made the following claim. Let us be the first to tell the world that we have located a family of Bigfoot. And besides the clear photos and video, we have something even more shocking, a body. Please bear with us at this time. We have hired legal help. History is in the making, unquote. Uh, That story first appeared on Cryptomundo.com, the catch-all site for cryptology news, cryptozoology news, back on July 11th, and was met with uh, an expected level of skepticism and obvious desire to see the evidence that they were claiming to have. Uh, On the uh, Squatch Detective radio show, On July 28th, Rick Dyer, one of the principals in this, explained that it took six people one and a half days to drag the eight-foot, eight-inch, 600-pound corpse to a vehicle. He refused to disclose the gender of the creature, and Dyer also stated that it was found in early June and assumes that it had been dead for a few days based on its condition. As well, he mentioned that the Bigfoot is being stored in a 10-foot freezer by them at an undisclosed location. He did say that he never believed in Bigfoot and didn't research the creature before they stumbled across this body, his friend uh, and him. Um, I got the information regarding the Squatch Detective interview from a posting on Cryptomundo. I went to review the interview myself on the Squatch Detective site, but it appears to have been taken down and there's a statement from Steve Culls who runs the site that he is now under a gag order and not c- cannot speak about the incident until further notice. The original statements indicated that the folks at Bigfoot Tracker would reveal the body on September 1st as soon as they got certain copyright and legal issues uh, out of the way that they wanted to uh, put in place to protect themselves. Uh, There were numerous reasons to suspect that this might be a hoax. Uh, The Bigfoot Tracker crew began posting gloating videos on YouTube. They were chastising other researchers in the field saying all those who'd written on the subject didn't know what they were talking about because they didn't have a body. Uh, many of those videos have been taken down as their story started to come loose at the edges. At one point they claimed to have brought a pathologist in to examine the corpse. The pathologist was rather quickly determined to be a fraud, and in fact he was the brother of a Clayton County Georgia police officer named Matthew Witten, who is one of the people that claims to have the body. Uh, the group then released a video admitting the doctor being a hoax. Uh, their claim was that it was a cutting plan to throw off those stalking them to figure out more about the story. Uh, The videos were juvenile and boastful and completely devoid of any evidence. There was one video that did show a lump under some garbage bags that they claimed were the body, but the camera is zoomed in so tightly that there's no indication of size or shape, and it could just as easily be their empty beer cans or their laundry as it could have been a Bigfoot. So, we had Witten an active duty police officer and Dyer a former corrections officer claiming they had no interest in Bigfoot until they stumbled across a corpse that had been dead a few days. On June 16th, 2008, Witten registered the bigfoottracker.com domain. It's a flash heavy site that claims their quest began in 2005 even though Dyer had stated previously in the radio interview uh, in July that they had no interest that he had no interest in the matter until the body was found. Additionally, they claim to have found a Bigfoot family in the area and intend to capture one alive sometime in the next year. The site is offering Bigfoot expeditions for $500 for a four-day excursion or a private three-person three-day expedition for $5,000. They also sell t-shirts and hats. All of this, along with there being no evidence at all on the site until today, seemed like a poorly executed ruse. The gag order, however, is apparently lifted as the following press release was issued today by Searching for Bigfoot, LLC. I uh, will re- read from the press release now. Uh, for immediate release, August 12, 2008, Bigfoot body found. DNA evidence and photo evidence to be presented at a press conference to be held on Friday, August 15, 2008, from noon to 1 p.m., At the Cabana Hotel, Palo Alto, uh, 4290 El Camino Real, Palo Alto, California, 94306. Searching for Bigfoot Inc., Menlo Park, California, Tom Biscardi, CEO. It goes on. Bigfoot body found evidence and DNA details to be presented at a press conference on Friday, August 15th. A body that may very well be the body of a creature commonly known as Bigfoot, has been found in the woods in northern Georgia. DNA evidence and photo evidence of the creature will be presented in a press conference Friday, August 15th from noon to one at the Cabana Hotel Palo Alto. Uh, The press conference will not be open to the public. It will only be open to credentialed members of the press. Here are some of the vital statistics on the Bigfoot body. The creature is seven feet, seven inches tall. It weighs over 500 pounds. The creature looks like it is part human and part ape-like. It is male. It has reddish hair and blackish gray eyes. It has two arms, two legs, and five fingers on each hand and five toes on each foot. The the feet are flat and similar to human feet. Its footprint is 16 and 3 quarters inches long and 5 and 3 quarters inches wide at the heel. From the palm of the hand to the tip of the middle finger, its hands are eleven and three-quarters inches long and six and one-quarter inches wide. The creatures walk upright. Several several of them were sighted on the same day that the body was found. The teeth are more human-like than ape-like. DNA tests are currently being done, and the current DNA and photo evidence will be presented at the press conference, on friday august 15th the creature was found by matthew witten and rick dyer residents of georgia in the woods in northern georgia the exact location is being kept secret to protect the creatures matthew witten and rick dyer will be flying in from georgia to be at the press conference also present at the press conference will be tom biscardi ceo of searching for bigfoot inc witten is a clayton county georgia police officer who is currently on administrative leave after being wounded in the course of duty pursuing an alleged felon. Dyer is a former correctional officer. Witten and Dyer are co-owners of BigfootTracker.com and Bigfoot Global LLC, a company that offers Bigfoot expeditions. Witten and Dyer are working with Bigfoot hunter Tom Biscardi and Biscardi searching for Bigfoot, Inc. to present and conduct the scientific study of evidence and information on this body. A few weeks ago, Witten and Dyer announced the finding of the body on the Squatch Detective Radio Show, an internet radio show uh, hosted by Steve Culls. While on that show, the commentator asked Rick, Rick Dyer, Would you allow one of our people to come down and verify the body? Dyer replied, The only person I would allow to come down and verify the body was the real Bigfoot hunter, Tom Biscardi. The next day, the producer of the Squatch Detective Show contacted Biscardi with pertinent information on how to contact Dyer and Witten. Extensive scientific studies will be done on the body by a team of scientists including a molecular biologist, an anthropologist, a paleontologist, and other scientists over the next few months at an undisclosed location. The studies will be carefully documented and the findings will be be released to the world according to Biscardi. Biscardi is known as the real Bigfoot hunter because of his extensive investigations in the field. He has been searching for Bigfoot since 1971, and over the past several years, he has been crisscrossing the United States and Canada, tracking down the hottest leads on Bigfoot sightings. Blah, blah, there's some ego stuff here. uh, The body that is currently being studied is being referred to as the Rickmat creature, a name derived from the names of Rick Dyer and Matthew Witten. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman recommends the term Georgia gorilla to be used to remove any taint of ego from the discovery and so the general public media and science will have a comfortable moniker until a formal zoological name may be bestowed. Uh, the rest of this is sort of restating the uh, date for the show and talking about uh, Biscardi's uh, documentary called Bigfoot Lives. So as of when I sat down to record this, uh, there are now a couple of photos that have been released prior to the news conference on the 15th There will be links on the website if they stay available. What looked like a hoax is suddenly looking much more plausible. The release statistics don't match the original claims made by the Bigfoot tracker guys initially, but it it wouldn't be the first time that someone exaggerated their catch. I'm more convinced today than I was yesterday, for sure. I suppose cautiously optimistic is a good way to describe it. It's still more likely that this is a hoax than it is that a couple guys from Georgia stumbled upon a colony of unidentified hominids, and drug away one of their dead without reprisal, uh, if we want to try and keep this in perspective. However, the photos that have been posted are, are absolutely compelling, and I will be following this very closely. A friend of a colleague is hoping to attend the press conference, and with any luck, I will have some kind of report from that in the very near future. death in june with he's disabled before that was Nailbomb. with some of your achievements and uh, opening that one up was moldavia from front 242 playing in the background today was naminax uh, tomb of the seagull for most of the show and then there towards the end uh, crane from duel and that is going to do it uh, thanks again for listening uh, to get in touch it's professor at spookatorium.org check out the website at www.spookatorium.org. And to wrap it up, this is NocMystium with the glorious moment.